Matthew 27, 18, the word of God says, for he knew, I'm sorry, uh, verse 17, therefore, when they uh, were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas, or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with this just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priest and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. The verse that the text verse this morning is verse 22. What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? That's a question every one of us have to answer. Every one of us. Let me tell you how this message came to be. Sometimes there's some things as pastor that you think you're doing an efficient job and then something comes up and you realize uh, maybe I didn't do what I should do. Somebody that's been connected, not a member, but connected and been fairly faithful in attending our church for two years, two and a half years. We've missed him recently and, and reached out by text. He sent a text to me. And he said something like this, and why I talked to the men in men's prayer about this yesterday. Be very careful the counsel you give somebody who comes to church. Uh, this man received counsel from another pastor that he should not come back to church because he's battling some spiritual battles. So the pastor's advice to him is you should not go back to church till you get victory of those battles. That is his moronic counsel. So the, past, the young man took his advice, and we haven't seen him. He sent me a text. He said, Pastor, don't worry about it. I can't come back, and under the advice of this pastor, I have not returned, but don't worry about it. I'm having a Bible study every morning with some people called Jehovah's Witness. Let me say this to you, and I think as a pastor, I think, have I not taught? who Jesus is. Do we not know, could you come to this church for two years, two and a half years, and not understand who Jesus is? So this morning's message is not a typical Sunday morning message. This morning's message is like a Sunday night message. I want to talk to you very plainly and Sunday morning versus Sunday night because I want our church to hear from pastor. Is Jesus God? Because the Jehovah's Witness do not believe he's God. Is he God? Now, let me say this to you. Don't say it because our church says it. We should be able to look into the word of God and prove to you from the word of God. I, I thought about this. Should we be worshiping somebody else? Are we worshiping the right person? I'm going to talk to you about this morning, and I pray that I'll be very plain. It'll be more of a Bible study today than preaching. But I want one and all of us to hear today that we can have confidence 
in the one that we're worshiping. He is only is worthy of our worship. And I believe if you'll pay attention and turn with us to scriptures, at the end of the message today, we can say with one voice, confident men and women alike, Jesus is God. So when they knock on your door and they want to have a Bible study, and as I've gone and, and back and forth, he said, Pastor, they use our Bible. Huh? They use the King James Bible. And you know, so I'm going to say this to you. I can take scriptures and I can twist them to make them mean what I want them to mean. We're not going to do that today. You're going to see very plainly whether or not Jesus is God. Father, help us. Lord, only you know who the man I'm talking about, and I love him. I thank God for him, and I pray that one day he'll return. And Father, I pray that you would open his ears of understanding to understand as these who say that they are true and right have blasphemed your son's name. And I pray, Father, that this man will re understand that and he'll return. Now, Father, but maybe there's somebody here that's grappling with the same question that Pilate grappled with. What shall I do then with this man called Christ? It's a question each and every one of us must answer. And so, Father, give us appropriate answer today. I need your help as I teach. And I pray that for once and all, and this is not an exhaustive lesson, but I pray when we finish today, we'll have confidence that Jesus is God. Help us with the study today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Wasn't there by the shores of Galilee when Jesus touched those blinded eyes and made them see? And though I did not see the empty tomb that day, I still believe, for I know what Jesus did. For me, I believe there is power in the blood of the Lamb, and I believe there is healing in the touch of His hand. But the greatest of all miracles was when Jesus. Save me. Yes, I know what Jesus did for me. I have seen the lowest sin, sick soul, have life anew and be made pure, pure and whole. And I have the chains of sin and set my spirit free. Yes, I know what Jesus did for me. I believe there is power in the blood of the Lamb. And I believe there is healing in the touch of 
Jesus saved me. Yes, I know what Jesus did for me. But the greatest of all miracles was when Jesus saved me. Yes, I know what Jesus did for me. Bless me. Matthew chapter 27, stay with me if you would please. Is Jesus God more of a Bible study than preaching this morning? Jesus here in this passage is standing before Pilate. And one day you and I, each and every one of us all alone, will stand before this person named Jesus. What we do with him today will determine what that day looks like. The question Pilate asked in Matthew 27 here is the same question before each of us today. What will you do with Jesus? What have you done with Jesus? What have I done with Jesus? It's a question before us today, and I would say this to you this morning. It's a personal question. A mom cannot decide for her daughter what she will do with Jesus. A dad cannot decide for his son. A pastor cannot decide for a member, a loved one for you. You have to decide yourself. It's a personal question. It isn't what someone else will do with Jesus, but what will you do with Jesus? I believe we have some here today. Maybe your mom and dad accepted Christ, but you've never accepted him. It's not enough that your mom and dad are going to heaven. You need to make that decision yourself. It's not only a personal question, it's a present question. Because you see, you may not have the opportunity to embrace Christ tomorrow. If you don't know him today, you can receive him today. But it's a pertinent question because you may not have tomorrow. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, thou knowest not what? What a day may bring forth. It's a personal question. question. It's a pertinent question. It's a present question. It's a pressing question. Each of us will do something with Jesus. You say, preacher, I'm just not going to decide. Then you've made a decision. You've made a decision. It's a pressing question. It's better that we deal with this question here and answer it than it is when we stand before a holy God and that decision has already been made. The question does not deal with social or cultural or events or issues, but it deals with personal issues. I'm going to make this statement very plainly and very clearly, and I pray that you'll hear me. The Bible teaches us about the deity of Jesus Christ. Jesus is God. Somebody may knock on your door, and they may tell you, I want to share with you our religious book. They may even take a Bible Try to prove to you that Jesus was not God. John, 1 John said they are a liar. Whosoever denies that Jesus is the Christ is a liar. Jesus is God. He, he has, and you think about this, the Bible teaches the deity of Christ. If Jesus is not God as he claimed, 
then he's a fake, a, a fraud, an imposter. He's either got to be who he claims or the biggest liar that ever walked the face of the earth. He can't be something in between because he claimed to be God. So he is either God or he's the biggest imposter ever walked the face of the earth. Is he God? We will either today accept him or reject him. We will either bow the knee to him or we will reject him. Can I say this in the kindest terms I know how to say? Every knee one day will bow. I hope you've already done that. When I was a 12-year-old young man in Mon Monument, Colorado at a bonfire after a devotion, grew up in church, twice had been down the aisle, twice had been baptized, and yet truly I had never bowed my knee except to Christ as Savior. God so convicted me that day, I knew that I needed to be saved, and, and I got saved. I bowed my knee to Christ that day. I want to show you how do you say, preacher, I, I think maybe Jesus is God, but can I know for sure? Stay with me very quickly, all right? Let's go through this. All of the attributes of God the Father are found in Jesus. All of the attributes of God. Now, go with me if you would, because in this case of the Jehovah's Witness, they put a name of God in front of Jesus Christ. Now, watch this. Let me make some, let's, let's get some clear understanding here. Jehovah is the name for God in the Old Testament. And it is used over 7,000 times in the Old Testament. In our Bible, in the King James Bible, the word Jehovah in the Old Testament is translated Lord. Talking about the same person. So we can say this, the Jehovah of the Old Testament and the Jesus of the New Testament are the same. They are God. All right? Now let's look at this, the attributes. You don't have time to turn to all of these. I've written some of them down. Turn with me, if you would please, to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. We'll use a lot of scripture this morning. Isaiah 40. Jesus shared the attributes of God the Father. Isaiah 40, look at verse number 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for God. Now in your mind, those of you who know the Bible, you could go immediately to the book of John, and John the Baptist, when he saw Christ, what did he say? I have come to prepare the way for the Lord. Isaiah the prophet said that we prepare the way for the Lord. Isaiah 43 says this, verse number 11, I, even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Old Testament. He said, I'm the Lord, besides me there is no Savior. Who can save you from your sins but God? No one. But Jesus in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, said, There's none beside me as Savior. So he's claiming the ability to forgive anybody who sinned, and that is all of us. Isaiah 43, 11, we read that. 
And you think about it, go with me real quickly to Titus 2. The ability to forgive sins belongs only to God. It does not belong to a church. It does not belong to a man. If a man has told you he can and you should confess your sins to him, he's lying to you. No man. You should confess your sins to no man. Don't confess your sins to me. Sometimes we work the altar and I'll see somebody come down that are broken and, and, and I realize God has touched their heart about something and they'll tell me it has happened a handful of times. Pastor, I want to confess to you some of my sins. No, don't you dare. Don't you tell me what you've done. You drop to your knees and you look. There's one, therefore now, one mediator between God and man, the pastor of Rocky Mountain. No, the man who... Christ Jesus. Look in your Bible, if you would, in Titus chapter number 2, is Jesus God? Can we know? Does he share the attributes of God the Father? Chapter 2 and verse number 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great, read it with me, God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Sounds like Titus thinks Jesus is God. Sounds like Isaiah says Jesus is God. The attributes of God, the Father, are found in Jesus, the Son. I don't have time to turn this morning, but many other of the, of the texts that we would have before would tell us that Jesus is God. Jesus is absolute, holy, sinless, perfect. Only God can make that claim. Jesus is sinless. Now think about this. Matthew 6, 12 teaches us to pray for forgiveness for our sins. To who? To Jesus. So we say this. We say that the attributes of God the Father, Jesus possessed, didn't he? Now let's look at another, another uh, thing. Look at number two. The adoration Jesus received showed him to be God. Did Jesus refuse to be worshipped? No. No. Did Jesus receive worship from men? I ask you this, who are you to worship? God alone. You worship God. Don't worship a pastor. Don't worship a rabbi, a bishop, a pope, a priest, a church, a creed, a doctrine. We worship God. Now watch it. Did Jesus receive man's worship? Because if he did, he's claiming to be God. I read for you Luke 4, 6 through 8. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will give it. If thou therefore will worship me and shall be thine, it shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord uh, thy God and him only shalt thou serve. When we worship Jesus, we're worshiping God. The adoration that Jesus had showed that he received man's worship. Go with me if you would please. Think about this. Can you quote, I'll start it, Genesis in the first chapter says this. In the beginning who created heaven and earth? God. Right? But wait a minute, John 1 says this, 
in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now watch this. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that made. Who is that God that is creating in Genesis 1? It's none other than the Jesus of John 1. It's the same. When we worship Jesus, we're worshiping Creator God. He received man's worship. He has the attributes of the Father. Idolatry is the ultimate sin. And why is that? To worship any other God other than Jehovah. And Jesus allowed himself to be worshipped. Jesus knew that only God is to be worshipped. And so when he allowed himself to be worshipped, he is claiming to be God. Preacher, how can I know that Jesus is God? How do we know that Jehovah's Witnesses are wrong and we are right? I'm not trying this morning to pit us against any other religious sect. But I, I think about this, it burdened me. That man sat underneath the preaching and teaching. He was here Sunday morning, oftentimes Sunday night or Wednesday night. And he left this place somehow believing that if he worships with somebody that does not believe that Jesus is God, he's having Bible study, he's okay. And that burdened me as pastor. Have I not been clear enough Do the people of our church, and maybe you're here and you too have come for a length of time and you've never heard clearly, and for that I may apologize to you. I thought in ministry here we made it very plain who Jesus is. But just in case we need to erase some doubt, we look at the attributes of Jesus. I asked you this this morning. Does Jesus have the attributes of God the Father? I ask you again. Did Jesus demand and receive worship? Yes, he did. Now let's look at this. Jesus is shown to be God by his own admission. Look at John 8, if you would, please. Go with me, if you would. John chapter number 8. Jesus is God by his own admission. John 8, and look at verse number 56. John 8, verse number 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Did Abraham worship Jesus? Yes, he did. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Uh Uh-oh, that's a problem. Because for the Jew that I am, only God bore that title, I am. Only God. And now Jesus is saying, now listen, I know you're resting on Abraham and that you're a child of Abraham. But before Abraham was, I am. He didn't say before Abraham was, I was. He said, I am. Go Further, Jesus saith unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Then took they up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself, went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passing by. Think about this as we look at this lesson. Jesus, by his own admission, uh, said that he was God. I want you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. We're using more scripture than we normally would. We're having a Bible study. Exodus chapter number 3, I want you to get this down this morning. I don't want you to doubt for a moment 
that as we worship the Lord Jesus Christ, it has been our theme this year, lift him up, lift him up. And I think about this, the thing that, that God laid on my heart in Estes Park, Colorado, a year and a half ago was, what I want you to do, Pastor, you're going to go through some tough times as a church this year, but what I want you to do when you meet on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night in men's prayer and ladies' fellowships and whatever you have, if you got a cockroach race, I want you to lift up my name. I'm not here to lift up the name of our church. I hope you love our church. And I hope that you look at this church and think that God has brought you to this church. But this church should not and cannot and will not take the place of Jesus Christ. I pray that I'll never break your confidence in me. And I think that we can have utmost. And I thank you as a church body that as I a month, as I was with my brother in that situation in Ohio that many of you texted or whatnot and, and shared confidence in the men that carried this pulpit when pastor was gone. But I'm going to say this to you, whether that's a full-time staff member or a lay member, don't dare put your confidence in a man. But we can give our utmost confidence to Jesus Christ. Exodus chapter number 3, Jesus shown to be God by his own admission. Look at verse number 13. Exodus 3.13, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and saying to them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? I remember. Now Moses is going to God. The Jehovah's Witness will say, Moses went to Jehovah. And they're not wrong. He, they did. He did. But look at what Jehovah, look at what God told Moses and God said unto Moses, read it. Isn't that what we just read in the New Testament? Before Abraham was, I am. That's why they picked up stones ready to stone him, because they knew that Jesus was claiming to be God. You know why? Because he is God. Look at this, if you would please go back into your text where we were. So we look at the Jesus shown to be God by his own admission. God called himself by this sacred name, I am. Can I say this to you this morning? There never was a time when Jesus was not. And there never will be a time when he is not. He's the great preexistent, eternal God. Jesus didn't become a person in Bethlehem's manger. He was always God. I want to show you this lastly. We looked at his attributes and his adoration, the admission. I want to show you lastly Jesus shown by his own abilities. Look at Hebrews 7. Jesus is shown by his own abilities that he is God. Go with me if you would please. Hebrews chapter number 7. And look at verse number 25, Hebrews 7 and verse number 25. Wherefore, he's able to say also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for us. If you backed up a couple chapters in Hebrews chapter number 4, it tells us who makes intercession. Come boldly into the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Who do we come to when we pray? We come to, watch this, we come to God the Father through Jesus the Son, implored by the Spirit. 
And here now it says, whoever it is, he says that he's able to save those to the uttermost who come to him and make intercession. Verse 25, wherefore he's also to save them uh, to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Romans 10, 7, I'm going to start quoting it. If you know these verses, quote them with me. Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. How are you saved? Through Jesus. You prayed, you asked him, does you turn from your, your sin and you embraced him, you confessed him with your mouth. That's what salvation is. Shown by his abilities. He has the ability to save. Can I show you this? Philippians 3. I love this. Philippians 3. He has the ability to subdue. What is the greatest force in your life? Jesus. Can he subdue the things that would destroy you and I? One of the greatest things, I know it's not a huge ministry of our church right now, but it's a very effective and great ministry. I'm thankful years ago we started an RU ministry. Because the old devil slides along some of us and makes us think that you can find your security in a bottle. You can find your relief, relief in some drugs. You can find release in pornography. You can find your release, and he puts in, into our hands some toys of the world and the devil. And I'm going to tell you this, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We serve a risen Savior, an all-powerful God, and he can take the devil's toys out of your hands. The devil is subservient to Jesus. He knows his voice. Look at Philippians chapter 3 and look at verse number 21, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. How can I know, Pastor, that Jesus is God? I'm worshiping the right one. Study his attributes. He has the attributes of God the Father. How can I know Jesus received the worship of man and demanded the worship of man? When you come to this precious place, I want you to fall on your knees. I think about this. Sometimes our altars are not full. Sometimes they're not filled because Pastor laid an egg. I did tell you about the story about the man that was studying for ministry. And he met a woman, and he, she said this to her husband. She said, sweetheart, I will tell you everything of my life. There's only just one thing I ask you never to ask me about, never to look into. He said, okay, all right. She said, there's a shoe box. There's a box in the closet. Never look in that box. Don't ask me about that box. And for many years, he kept his promise. And then one day she was gone, and his curiosity got the best of him, and he just thought, what is in that box? And he opened it up, and 
there was a thousand dollars and three eggs. And he said, I can understand a thousand dollars. She's saving money for something. What's with the three eggs? That night they're eating. And he said, okay, I've got a confession to make. And she said, what is it? I looked in your box. You didn't look in my box. Sweetheart, you promised me you wouldn't look. I know, but the curiosity got the best of me. And he said, sweetheart, can you explain? She said, I knew I was going to marry a preacher. And I thought every time you laid an egg, I'd put one in the box. And he thought, that's not bad. Been married 10 years, three eggs. He said, okay, that explains the three eggs. He said, what about the $1,000? She said, every time I got a dozen, I sold them. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> I mean, that honestly, now listen to this. I know sometimes, Brother Bill, when I come, I'm not ready. I want you to know long before we gathered here today, Pastor tried to get his heart ready for this time. I'm worried that we as a church don't use these altars anymore. I'm worried that we come and we say that we're meeting Jesus, but our, our never puts a tear in our eye. We're never changed. We go out the same way we come in. If this God that we served is God and He's all-powerful, then He's working in our lives when we come. How can I know that Jesus is God? Because of his attributes, because of his adoration, his worship, because of his admissions, because of his, his abilities. Look at one last verse, 2 Timothy. This is the last verse we'll use this morning. What is his ability? He's able to save you. 2 Timothy. Did I tell you where we're going? 2 Timothy. He's able to secure you. I mean, he's able to subdue. He's able to secure Preacher, what about if I get saved and I fall from grace? You can't do it. You see the earnest, how many of you bought a house and you put a down payment? Put a down payment. Now, Al and Julie paid cash for their house. but No, you made a down payment. All right, what does that mean? Realtors, we got some realtors. What's that mean? If somebody comes, Brother Miss Dawson just recently bought a house. We're so glad for them. Would it bother you, Tyrell and Sarah, if you put the earnest money down? There were other people looking at your house. And the realtor said, Tyrell, Sarah, sorry. Um, you know, somebody, you put earnest money down, but somebody gave us $5,000 more, and I had to sell the house to them. Is that right or wrong? It's wrong. When you and I got saved, the earnest of our salvation is the Holy Spirit. To be lost means I have to lose the Holy Spirit. It can't happen. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And look at verse number 12. 2 Timothy 1.12. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. Stop for a second. Have you believed on Jesus? Paul said, I know who I have believed. Now watch what he says. This is the eternal word of God. I know whom I have believed. What? Watch this. And I'm not ashamed for I know who I have believed. And am persuaded 
that he is able to keep that, say it with me, which I've committed unto him. 12-year-old boy, I believed in Jesus and he took my eternal never dying soul, placed it in the hand of Jesus God and Jesus the Father and I'm on Jesus God and God, Jesus put his hand in God the Father. It's safe. Huh? Only God can do that. I say this as we close. To explain Jesus is impossible. To ignore Jesus is disastrous. To deny Jesus is fatal. Human speech is too limited to describe him. The human mind is too finite to comprehend him. The human heart is too small to contain him. So you, Pastor, you say this, what to do with Jesus? So we have a choice this morning. Same choice was given to Pilate. We crown him or crucify him. That's our choice. Have you ever crowned him king of your life? You ever made him your savior? We either crown him or we crucify him. We either accept him or reject him. We either love him or despise him. We either believe him or we ignore him. You cannot be neutral. A decision has to be made. I've made it. Let me say this to you. This is not an exhaustive study. We can study from now to eternity just on the work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross, the work of Jesus Christ uh, when he was here alive on earth, the work he's doing in heaven, the work he did before he came to earth. We could study for the rest of our services just the, the life of Jesus Christ and the ministry. But I want us to go from this place this morning understanding this. We worship the right one when we worship the Lord Jesus Christ. When those folks, I don't care who they are that deny the deity of Christ, they knock on your door. Do you know I read this in my own devotion, not a side of this. The Bible said don't invite them in your house. Don't even wish them Godspeed. Don't do it. Preachers, just a cup of coffee with them. Don't have it. I don't know about you. I love Jesus. I think about this. I ask you this. Brother Gary, you love your wife? Brother Allen, love your wife? Brother Tyrell? Brother Bliss? Brother? <laughs> Brother Wolford? Brother Jeff? I love my wife. Should I meet regularly with somebody who has nothing good to say about my wife? Preacher, can I meet with you tomorrow over a cup of coffee? I just want to tell you how sorry Kathy is. Okay. I'll show up. You going to do that? Then why do you meet with somebody over Scripture that's going to tell you Jesus is not God? Don't wish him Godspeed. Don't invite him in your house. Jesus is God. He'll save you. He'll secure you. He'll satisfy you. He'll subdue in your life what will take you to hell or destroy you. Once you accept Christ as Savior, he'll subdue you. The demons, when Jesus was on earth, did he have control over them? No. 
They didn't have a choice. Remember when he came out, the maniac of Gadara, when he brought the demons out? Oh, where are you going to send us? I'm going to send you in some pigs. That's why I don't eat pork. No. <laughs> huh? Jesus had, had total rule over the devil, didn't he, and the demons of hell. Can I say this to you? The greatest thing ever happened to you is Jesus. Let's don't do this. I mean this honestly. If you're new in Christ here, and this man is a good man. We're going to reach out. We're going to try to. But I hope that we have taken away every doubt of whether or not we're serving the right one because Jesus is God.